Embracing Your Life, and I'm your host, Lynn Fontaine. Today's episode is Senior Migration on the Move. I did a podcast on senior migration in a previous episode where I shared my research on how to find the best location for my husband and me to spend retirement. The episode was only 30 minutes, but the research took just about a year. We did our due diligence and zeroed in on a state and an exact area where we would like to live. Our motivation being that our kids and now grandkids live in New England, and the pull to get closer to them was strong. The operative word here is closer. We couldn't possibly handle the New England weather, so we wanted something within a two-day drive just in case we didn't want to fly which would also make it easier for our kids to drive to see us. The only hitch in this plan was that we settled on an area where neither of us had ever been. So with our research in hand, a field trip was in order. We booked a trip, stayed at an Airbnb for five days, and started to explore. A friend had recommended a local realtor, and the search began. We ventured out on our own for a day or two, but not much came together for us until we toured with the realtor. We discovered the areas where we would like to live and the areas that best suited our finance. And guess what? Sometimes they are one in the same. We were fortunate that our research actually guided us to an area that matched our lifestyle and our tax-friendly criteria. We wanted a lower cost of living, in a tax-friendly state, meaning lower rates on income and retirement income, lower property and sales tax, all within a fiscally sound state. If you set your search using strict benchmarks, you will discover the areas of the country that conform. If you have it in your mind to move to, say, Hawaii, San Francisco, or New York, then an entirely different set of conditions would come into play. Another important factor for us was weather. When moving from San Clemente, California, the standards are set pretty high. Yes, we'll have to get used to some temperature swings, but we visited in January, and although it was cold for us, it was surprisingly doable, as long as you dress for it. If we are a little colder or have to deal with some humidity, we'll just have to manage, especially if it means we'll be closer to our grandkids, still live in a beautiful area, and enjoy a lower cost of living. That's a win, win, and a win. During our five-day visit, we were able to experience firsthand the lower cost of living. No surprise that pretty much everything was far less expensive than California. One bonus discovered during our visit was how well the area establishments catered to the locals and specifically to the retirees. We discovered that most restaurants had great happy hour and early bird specials. The savings during both were considerable. My husband and I were high-fiving each other with every bargain that we happened upon. To complete the exploration, we kept the rental car that we got at the airport and drove it to New York and Connecticut to visit our sons and their families, and of course to check out the drive. As luck would have it, 
We have family that lives exactly halfway, so we stayed with them for one night. And since they live on a beautiful lake, the next time we'll plan to stay longer. So let this be fair warning to you, Sharon and Craig. Um, Also a side note, we made this exploratory trip, as I said, in January. And it happened to be during a major snowstorm. But we made it all the way, just hours ahead of the snow. If we could do this in the dead of winter, spring or summer will be a piece of cake. We are now back in California, getting our current home prepared for sale. So we can only continue our search by reviewing the MLS daily. Another trip is definitely in the offing. Since it's common for retirees to consider similar moves, I thought I would share our sequence of events. The general outline is as follows. One, our new home search continues. Two, working with a realtor in California on the sale of our current home. Three, preparing our home for sale. Four, the cross-country move. We'll start with number one, new home search, where we refine our new home search criteria. We know the town we're moving in. And if you notice, I'm not sharing this as we think it's so perfect that everyone will want to move there. Anyway, we have a firm price range that we plan to stick to, knowing that there will most likely be a remodel involved. Since we secured our realtor in the new town, We have access to the MLS and receive updates daily from our saved searches. We also search Zillow and other sites for the for sale by owner homes. However, we have learned that these other sites may not be as updated and as timely as MLS, so remember to cross-check. We have planned another trip to the area just to be sure that we are ready to commit to an exact neighborhood or if we will need to rent for a while. It can take some time to understand the lay of the land, even when you have chosen a particular area, as each neighborhood can have a very different vibe. We would rather just move in straight away, but we may have to be flexible. Another consideration is whether we want a single-family home or if we would consider a condominium, which leads to your position on homeowner association fees, which we know can be very substantial. There could even be other fees associated with an area on top of the state property taxes. In California, there are Melaroos, assessed to a district in which a special tax is imposed normally in a new residential area and not found in the older, more established neighborhoods. Other areas have regional property owners association fees, and this is separate from an HOA, which is yet another expense. This is very important, as they all represent considerable costs. So be sure to ask your realtor about all the expenses that could be incurred at the time of purchase. If there is an HOA besides the obvious question regarding the monthly fee, be sure to ask what the rules and regulations are regarding short-term rentals or home exchange opportunities. Now that we're retired, this is important as we plan to travel for longer periods of time 
and want to explore both options. What size home are you looking for? Will you be able to manage the upkeep as time goes on? Do you plan to sub out the maintenance? Be sure to consider these costs as well. And then are you looking for a move-in ready or do you want something that you can personalize? Be sure to get familiar with the construction costs in your area. Your realtor will be a great resource for this too. Will you need flood and wind insurance? If so, be sure to get estimates from your insurance company. All of the aforementioned homeowner expenses leads me to another obvious question. Would you explore the cost of renting versus home ownership? Any chance that this would make sense for you? If I were living on my own, I would most definitely consider the rental option. The cost of upkeep alone would be enough to scare me off. As it stands now, we would only consider it temporarily. In other words, while we're deciding on which neighborhood suits us best. Next in our progression of events, working with a realtor on the sale of our current home. Choosing the right realtor for the sale of your home is crucial. So search for the best, get referrals, and check reviews. Consider those who have good recommendations from your friends and neighbors, as well as positive reviews on trusted online sites. Before you sign a contract, take time to interview your selected agents and ask lots of questions, including what is the average time your listings stay on the market? What percentage of asking price do you attain? What experience do you have in selling homes in my area? And what precisely will you do to sell my home? Once you have chosen a realtor, you'll discover what your prized possession is worth. Not to you, but to others. This is the market analysis that will be comprised of the condition of your home. Is it remodeled or updated? Then comparing to comps in your area, and of course your location and view considerations. A home with an ocean view can mean 10 to 30% more than those in your neighborhood without views. The entire point of this exercise is to arrive at the exact perfect listing price. To restate, the value of your home is determined by the comp sales in your neighborhood, condition and amenities, supply and demand, check the inventory of comparable homes in your area, and of course, location. The listing price is the one factor that can make or break the entire sale process. In fact, 80 to 90% of the marketing is really just having the correct listing price. If you have the right price, the absolute best activity happens in the first few weeks. So don't blow it. We watch Million Dollar Listing and have paid close attention. One final note while working with your realtor. Be sure to negotiate the commission rate. But before you do that, you'll want to know what the norm is in your area. Then discuss the probability of a quick sale due to lack of inventory, supply and demand, uh, your home's condition, and the location and views. If you are a motivated seller who has updated, remodeled, and done everything possible to enhance the sale, 
including agreeing to your agent's suggested listing price, then you might be a candidate for a commission discount. Just don't overlook the opportunity to adjust the commission rate to reflect your specific circumstance. Number three, and probably the most daunting, preparing your home for sale. And that'll include the following. Reno completions, cleanup, touch-up, and staging. We already had a list of improvements in mind that we thought would enhance the sale. We discussed them with our agent to confirm that they would be beneficial. And then be sure to get your agent's expert observations. As he has a fresh set of eyes, seeing things that you may no longer notice. Since we knew that we would be using the same realtor who sold us our current home, we're still going through all the steps listed above. And after receiving the initial market analysis, we reviewed all of the projects, and then we did a walkthrough to get our agents read on what should be done. I will share some of those major considerations now. This list includes our projects, plus our agents' suggestions. The following is a comprehensive and fairly common list of improvements that can enhance the sale. Obvious updates. New carpeting, something that we thought could be a sale enhancer, was on our list. However, experts say that it will add little or no value, but it does make your home look more attractive. So we opted to do it anyway. New kitchen countertops, again something that we always intended to do, now imperative for the sale, especially since the rest of the kitchen has been updated. Exterior painting, starting with garage door or your front door. I read an interesting article that stated, painting your front door black can add over $2,000 to your sale price. If it worked with our theme, trust me, I'd do it. Definitely repaint your garage door if needed. If you are going to paint the body exterior of your home, here are the top selling colors in order. Off-white, yellow, blue, gray, taupe, and then varying shades of grays and beiges and white. Just be sure you stay with the color palette of your neighborhood as appraisers have been known to mark down a home that has a dramatically different color. And of course, curb appeal is crucial. Power wash the house if you're not painting it and clean your windows, as this can add ten dollars to $15,000 to the sale of your house. And next, the approach to your front door. It must be well-pruned and welcoming. In other words, trim all bushes or plants that encroach the walkway. Add splashes of color to your yard with flowers. And check your welcome mat. Make sure it is, in fact, welcoming. Freshen all landscape, the side yards and backyard. For the interior, touch up interior painting. If your wall color is a beige or a taupe, it can add $2,000 to the sale price. But if you have a red kitchen, you could get $2,300 less than expected. However, if you have a blue bathroom, that could actually offset the loss of having a red kitchen. Your fireplace. This is one of your best features. So clean it and check your fireplace screen or doors. If it's gas, 
then consider replacing the ceramic logs or the fire glass if that's what you have instead of the faux logs. 46% of home buyers will pay more for a home with a fireplace, even one that has not been updated. So hopefully they'll pay a little bit more for a remodeled one. Now to the suggestions from our realtor. Suggestions, by the way, that we had never thought of. Have your furnace and air conditioner serviced and save the paperwork. Have a termite inspection. Buy a home warranty. This is not only good for the buyer, but great for the seller. Keep in mind that the new homeowner will not be calling you to make the repairs. They will be contacting their home warranty. Change all light bulbs to LED, especially in closets and walk-in closets. It seriously makes the closet look like it's flooded with daylight. I wish I had thought of this earlier. And check lighting everywhere in your home to see if LED bulbs are in order. And declutter. We already knew this, but needed a professional's eye to say, okay, that's pretty, but it makes the space feel tight. So remove floor vases that make a space feel smaller. You may have filled your room corners with decor. If so, remove where possible. You won't believe how much larger the space appears. Consider removing certain pieces of furniture if it seems to lessen the size of a room. For example, a chair in your bedroom may make the room feel cramped. Or if you have a console or sofa table, consider removing it as it could appear less spacious. Exception to the rule. Do not remove area rugs to make the space feel larger as it will only make a room feel unfinished. Do remove excessive framed photos from walls and tables. However, I personally disagree with the concept of depersonalizing the space. Just concentrate on editing your collage of family pictures. Don't keep all of the pictures if they are taking up an entire wall. And remove photos from tabletops, shelves, or pianos. If you're still living in your home, it's okay to show how you use the space and how you lived in it, as long as it's neat, clean, and uncluttered. But do be sure to edit or remove most knickknacks. Take the Coco Chanel approach, where before leaving the house, you check yourself in the mirror and remove one piece of jewelry. Use that same eye when assessing your home accessories. And check your closets, kitchen cupboards, and drawers. Make sure they look organized and spacious. Disorganization can make it appear that you do not have enough storage space in your home. On the day of showings, it goes without saying that everything must be clean and shiny. I know this is common sense, but there's so much to do that I actually refer to my list daily. Note, be sure to have your realtor take another walkthrough once your home is ready to list. This time, it'll be up to you to point out your home's best features and give him some talking points. I plan to point out the following which I am including, so that you might make note of similar features in your home. We have pull-out shelves in our lower kitchen cabinets, which makes it very easy to get at all those pots and pans. Show them your huge pantry closet and the abundance of storage. 
point out the perfect makeup lighting that you have in your master bath and those beautiful large round mirrors. Prepare a handout that outlines all of the remodeling and updates that have been done in your home. In our case, we have new carpeting upstairs, new flooring downstairs, and a renovated fireplace, tongue and groove ceilings, a revamped kitchen with brand new quartz countertops, and high quality stainless steel appliances. We have renovated bathrooms with new flooring and new fixtures. We had a deck built to take more advantage of our view, and we used stainless steel railing and cabling to coordinate with our beach town theme. So talk up your home's features because they will enhance the sale. Like I said, we really do watch Million Dollar Listing. We are now ready to list our home and to sign with our realtor. So one final reminder on the listing price and the commission. After all of the prep and the reno completions, you and your realtor should revisit the listing price and talk about how much easier you may have made the selling process. There will always be something that a buyer will want to change, but they won't have to do it prior to moving in as long as your place is move-in ready. They won't be adding up all the costs to personalize because they can do it over time. Make sure that you are comfortable with the commission rate and confirm that the list price is spot on. As an aside, if you are selling your home in an as-is condition, then most of this won't apply to you. Now we move on to the cross-country move, researching the options and getting estimates. First step in planning for the move, downsize and declutter while you are organizing your stuff for packing. Do not pack anything that you haven't used in years unless you're saving it for your kids. Even then, make sure they really want it. If not, get it on Facebook Marketplace and be done. If you think thinning out beforehand is stressful, waiting until the last minute will be worse and can cost you money and time. Moving boxes. Get free ones from grocery stores or department stores. Be sure to check with some of the U-Haul truck rentals as they might sell used boxes at a discounted rate. But make sure you have plenty of tape, a large tape roller, and magic markers. If you are considering a full-service mover, one who will put everything in the truck for you and drive it there, here are the top 10 best cross-country movers. United Van Lines, Mayflower Transit, Arpen Van Lines, North American Moving Services, Beacons, Wheaton Worldwide, Stephen Worldwide, Two Men in a Truck, Atlas Van Lines, AMJ Campbell. How to choose the right full-service mover? Do's and don'ts. Do check customer reviews. See if the reviews state cost, on-time delivery, and protection of personal belongings. And check the Better Business Bureau. Only go with a rating that is A-plus to A-minus. And there should be no deposit required. The only upfront cost will be if you purchase packing supplies from them. Everything I have read states to beware of the mover that requires a large deposit. The reputable moving company will deliver your possessions intact and in a timely manner 
to ensure that they receive prompt payment. So go online, check the reviews, do the online quote or request a quote. In most cases, they want to call you. I did this with three of the largest movers, and only Beacons gave me the instant quote after plugging in the details of my move. Beacons provided a move range of $8,620 to $10,379, transportation only, and up to $13,000 with packing included. Do yourself a favor and get your full-service moving estimates first. Then check out the Pack Yourself container options like pods or U-Pack because you'll be amazed at the savings. Yes, you pack yourself or hire local movers, but the savings are worth the extra steps. With pods, you can order a 7 or a 16-foot pod. The cost to have the container in your yard will be almost $500 for the first month. Then moving it to our location on the East Coast, would cost $2,888 plus a $265 re-delivery fee, bringing the total to $3,651 plus whatever local labor would cost for the move. It's normally two to $500, which is of course less than half of what the traditional full-service mover will charge. With UPAC, you have the option of loading a 7-foot container or a 17- and 28-foot trailer. We would probably need the 17-foot trailer option, which would cost $4,977 going from California to the East Coast. And this includes three full business days to pack the trailer. If you have the trailer delivered on a Thursday, they come back to pick it up on Tuesday. In this case, you actually have five days to get it packed. When they deliver to your new location, again, you will have three full business days to unpack. Unless, of course, there's a weekend in that time frame. If you discover that you need another trailer for your possessions, the cost will be $233 per linear foot, and you will not pay for the space that you don't use. They will use any remaining space for a commercial delivery, so that you're the only residential delivery on that truck. So the estimate for the 17-foot trailer would be $4,977, plus locally hired movers using the $500 estimate brings you to $5,477. Still half the price. But for the full DIY person who will pack and drive themselves, you can get your estimates for this option from Budget, U-Haul, Penske, and Rider. I did the online instant quote with U-Haul and received the following pricing. $3,700 for the 26-foot truck, $213 for the movers, and that's three hours, two helpers, total price of $3,924 for the transportation and the movers. But remember that you will have to add the gas for a 26-foot truck, your lodging, and meals. If you decide to pull a trailer for your car, that could be an additional $1,200 to $1,500. So that leads us to car transporters. For those of us who do not want to pull our car behind a trailer. 
There are several transporters online that you can check, but the reviews for Guardian Auto Transport were very good, so I completed an online quote with them. The cost to transport one car in an open carrier is $1,360, and I'll need to inquire if there is a discount when shipping two cars. My niece, who works for her family's commercial car transport company, gave me an average cost of fifteen dollars to $1,800 to transport, so I'm comfortable with this price. So, as you can see, this moving across country is a very costly endeavor. If we weren't so committed to the idea of being closer to our kids, it would be easy to throw in the towel. But we are in this, and we're moving forward. Going to an area where we can purchase a home for half the price and enjoy a much lower cost of living makes it more than worthwhile. Leaving California places us in a position that may be better than most due to our increased home values here, but you can always find areas that offer a bigger bang for your buck, no matter where you're moving from. Moving takes a lot of preparation and organization, but I have moved more times than I can count. So I'm basically an expert. And I say this knowing full well that the entire premise of my podcast is that I am never the expert. I'm only taking you on a journey. But in this instance, I get to be the expert and I'm leading the pack on this migration. And remember, focus on a fun and prosperous adventure while keeping your eye on the prize. Beautiful new digs that you'll soon be calling home. Thank you for listening, and until next time, 